Crosspoint, welcome. Good to see everyone. I'm happy to be here, and uh, we want to welcome you. Whether it's your first time or you've been here a long time, uh, we just want to say thank you for being here, and we pray. Our prayer is that as Crosspoint, everyone that attends or everybody that watches online will be blessed and edified by spending time together singing praises to the Lord as we did this morning and really meditating on the lyrics getting us prepared, not just for the message, but even this worship time, we have to understand that it is our opportunity to lift up our voices together and just declare his worthiness, declare how awesome he is. And so we're getting there. I almost heard you this morning um, working with the band. And so we want to eventually get to the point where we're like really, uh, we don't have to be awesome singers. Most of us probably feel like we're not great singers, and so sometimes we kind of lower the, uh, the volume in our voices, but, and then some of us think we're singing really loud, but nobody can actually hear you. So let's work on that, not because we're trying to sound great, but because we realize that our Creator, our Maker, and our Savior deserves a really great uh, worship response from us. All right, so I want to encourage you to start singing louder, if, if they start giving you, the people around you start giving you looks, then maybe, maybe then you could lower it a little bit. But if not, just go for it, all right? So grateful for our band members, and um, this new song was great, right? Um, and so were the other ones, and so hopefully that'll, that'll get us into a place where we are able to receive God's word and just be in a good place. I don't know if most of you... If this happens to you, but some of you, you know, you're walking in kind of like in a hurry, just sliding in right before nine or just a little bit after. Um, I, I would love for us to consider that even getting here on time is part of our worship. And I don't mean that for anybody specifically, just all of us. All right. Uh, you know, it's, it's great to be able to start at nine and already have had a chance to, to say hello to everyone. So I want to encourage you to be here early. I want to encourage you to be really engaged in our worship time, lift up your voice. And then definitely be very engaged as we meditate in God's word. Today we're going to attempt something, uh, uh, something big. We're going to try to finish uh, Luke chapter 1. Just for the record, Luke chapter 1 happens to be the longest chapter in the New Testament. All right. So once we get through Luke chapter 1, it's going to be smooth sailing after that. Uh, probably not exactly like that, but that is the plan. So welcome. So happy to have you guys here. Uh, for those of you joining us online, you guys are an important part of our congregation, so we thank you for joining us, and we want to encourage you as soon as you're able to just join us in person. We'd love to have this place packed and just singing together and uh, getting to know one another, saying hello. I don't know about you, and I hope this is the case with you, but I'm really, I look forward to Sundays. Um, definitely my favorite day of the week. I, I enjoy being here with you. I feel... This is definitely a special time. It's not like we come to meet the Lord here only and then the rest of the week we're just going about our business, but getting together with other believers like this on a Sunday morning purposely, just saying, I'm going to set this time aside to worship and to really just get closer to the Lord and to my brothers and sisters in the Lord is a really special time. So I appreciate all of you guys for being here. Let me go through some announcements. And I keep saying I'm going to do this quick, so I am going to do this quick. First of all, today is the first day of our growth groups, trimester one in 2022. Woo! It's like excitement right there. That's did you guys hear all that. Those online couldn't probably hear all those claps. And, but today is the first day of our growth groups. Uh, so there's two groups that are going to be meeting today, the Spanish group at uh, 12, and then our uh, 
Luis Robles' group, I have a little bit of announcement. Uh, our brother Luis Robles is, is uh, ill right now, and so he's going to be out at least for a couple of weeks. Um, and so Manny Araiza, many of you guys know who he is, he's one of our deacons, has stepped up to take that class. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for him, I'm excited for everybody in the class. Uh, that class meets at 10.30, from 10.30 to 11.30 on Sundays. And so if you're signed up for that, I saw that there was a good group signed up for that one, maybe about 17 of you. Uh, there's probably some of you that are planning on just showing up without signing up, which is fine. Just make, let's make sure we, we get everybody signed up. We want to know who is attending what. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Be in prayer about our growth groups. We never want it to be just something that is some, somewhat of a check-off-the-box kind of a thing, but really for us to consider them an opportunity for us to really engage, get to know people, and grow together. That's where it's all about. I am telling you, if for any reason you feel like the Christian life, quote-unquote, is disappointing or discouraging or not that fun, you got to join a growth group. you got to plug in, and you really got to devote yourself to it. And once you see yourself growing spiritually, it's going to be like nothing else you've ever experienced. So I'm excited for all of you in joining our, our growth groups. Um, I'll, I'll just say there's about 80 of you signed up and about 40 of you that, that have either told me you're going to sign up or just kind of really leaving it to the last minute. So today will be a great time, not during the service, but right after. Go ahead, go to our, our website, crosspointchristianchurch.com, and you'll be able to find a growth group tab and, and really easy to sign up. So we would encourage you to do so. If you have any questions, see any of the elders. That was not a short uh, uh, announcement, but I think an important one. On the 16th of February, that is uh, a Wednesday morning, um, My Safe Harbor is hosting a, I forget if it's a tea party, it's, it's, it's a gathering for the people that they serve, that they serve. And so they're asking for us to collaborate with them and, and send a group of maybe anywhere between six and ten people that want to volunteer on a Wednesday morning. I know that excludes many of us perhaps that, that have to go to work or what have you. But if you're available, I would highly encourage you to see Jan Doolittle, talk to her, ask her any questions you might have. But if you're able to make it, I would encourage you to make it to that. You'll be blessed for, for having participated and served in that manner. On the 5th of March, we're going to have a KMG event. By we, I mean Frank Sontag and his ministry, KMG, and we hope to attend. We're going to purchase 30 tickets for, for guys that want to, it's a men's event, so any, any man that uh, wants to attend, see me. Uh, we'll have the tickets, they're $20 each, but the church is going to pre-purchase 30 tickets, and we hope to sell those out and maybe even purchase more. There's about, there's more than 30 men that, that should attend that, that um, event if you're able to. And so I want to encourage you to uh, see me about that or go to KMG, uh, the um, website, and see details. But it's the 6th of March, 5th of March on a Saturday morning from like 8 to 1. It'd be great to take at least 30 guys from here and have a good time and be blessed by that. Many of you received a youth group parent letter, an envelope on your way in. So if you are an intermediate or, high school, or a parent of an intermediate or high school uh, child, you should have received the letter. If you didn't see Marco Pena III or Ricky Limas, they're outside passing out these letters. It's just a letter from the youth group leadership letting you know what we're planning for this year and inviting your, your young people. Um, we have a lot of young people in our church, but many of them don't attend our youth group, and it's something that the church provides 
for our families of, of young people. So really take us up on that. Friday nights, they meet Friday nights at 7 to about 9.30. They have a Bible study. Uh, the letter will explain it, but we would love to have you, if you're that age, to join us and, uh, and be blessed as we continue to strive to, to be good disciples of the Lord. That young age is so important as every other age is. That's it for announcements. Wow, a lot of stuff going on. You should have received our newsletter last night. And um, if you didn't, make sure you sign up for that. Um, let's go ahead and take communion this morning. And I want to share with you 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I may have said something different. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And we want to take a look at this portion here in, in order for us to, to prepare ourselves for uh, us taking communion. If you didn't get one of these, raise your hand and we'll have somebody come by and, and give you one if you like. So the Apostle Paul here, writing to the church in Corinth, a very troubled and problematic church uh, in the first century there, and he writes to them and says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Wonderful portion. Uh, we've used this verse for our youth group as a motto here, but it says, don't you know? That your body, your physical body is a temple or a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit whom you received from God as a gift when you were born again. And he says, and you're no longer your own. Christians don't belong to themselves. He says, for you were bought at a price. If you're a child of God and you've been born again, you've been saved by the blood of Christ, you no longer belong to yourself. You were purchased. You are God's property. And I know that sounds a little strange, but that's exactly what we are. We belong to God. And not just because he said so, not just because he created us, but because he bought us and he redeemed us with the price. What is the price? The price was paid by Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. And when we take these elements, as you peel back the first layer... And you take this bread, which symbolizes, it represents, it reminds us of the sinless body of Jesus who hung on that cross in our place. This is how he purchased us. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the Jews that represents and it reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ. His very life. Shed for our sins, the payment for our sins. We belong to God and we are God's property. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit because Jesus paid the price for our sins. Let's take that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you for allowing us the opportunity to celebrate communion together as we make remembrance of your love and your willingness to give up your only begotten son, Father. And Lord Jesus, you taking on this assignment, willingly coming to take our place at the cross. We're grateful for that. 
And Holy Spirit, it's only because of you that we're able to understand and receive and accept this message of salvation. And for that, we're grateful. As we continue this morning to meditate in your word, we pray that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would watch over us, that you would allow us the opportunity to really pay attention to what it is that you have for us this morning. I thank you for everybody who's here, and I ask for your blessing. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, beloved. So we will continue going through the gospel according to Luke. This morning I have a message entitled, Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. And what we're going to attempt to do is, in fact, go through Luke chapter 1, verses 39, all the way to the end, which is verse 80. That just means we'll do a little bit of reading. Um, it's always curious to me, if you read the Old Testament, at times God would gather all of Israel, and they would go through the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the law, and it says women, men, children, everybody would gather, they would stand, and they would just listen to the word being read. And then John in Revelation says that you are blessed just by reading God's word. And so obviously here at Crosspoint Christian Church, we're a Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, and so we're here to do just that, to listen to a message that is biblical. And so today we're going to do a lot of reading from the Bible, and we should be very happy about that. Less of me and more of the word is always a very good thing. All right, so let me share with you a key verse. That will be Luke chapter 1, verses four, verse 46. And this is what Mary expresses. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. This is known as Mary's Magnificat. How she responds to what's going on as she meets with Elizabeth. And, and Luke records this for us. And we see Mary's expression towards God. And I love it. What we're going to do this morning is, as we talk about magnifying the Lord, we're going to look at Zechariah's expression, his words. We're going to look at Elizabeth's, and we're look at Mary's. So we're, we're actually going to read uh, what these three people expressed to the Lord under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And what you're going to see is that each one of them magnifies the Lord. Mary literally says that, my soul magnifies the Lord. But if you pay attention to what Elizabeth says and what Zechariah says, along with Mary, you're going to see that their expression are expressions that ultimately magnify the Lord. And so for us this morning, I love the idea that we could take a look at this and then ask ourselves, is my life magnifying the Lord? Now, the idea here is not that we're going to make God look bigger than what he is. You can't do that. Even if we tried, we couldn't. Because God is already magnificent. God is already big. And by big, I mean as big as big can be. So really, we can't. Our job is never to defend God or make him look good or, you know, change things up so people don't get offended or, you know, they'll really like God if I tell it this way. It's just... Really, when it comes down to, if you want to magnify God, just get out of the way. Just get out of the way and point to him and allow people to see who he is through your life and through what you say. That's kind of the idea of what I want to get to. And so the question becomes, does your life magnify the Lord or does it minimize him? 
Do people look at your God and say, like, mm, you must have a little God. You're always stressed and always upset and always angry and always this and always that. It's like, where's your God in all this? We got to be careful how we portray our God to other people. Are people around you impressed by your God? Is that a weird question? Are people around you, the people that know you, are they impressed by your God? Do they go back and say, like, man, Mike's God must be like, I don't really, I don't think, I don't think I know that God because Mike's God or your God is, is awesome. Always talking about him, always talking about what he's done, what he's doing, what he's promised. Do people, are people around you impressed by your God? Or, or this question, what does your life tell others about God? I think these are really deep questions, by the way. What does my life tell others about my God? So God is already magnificent. People just need to know it. People just need to know it. They need to know him. I, I love reading the Old Testament, and over and over, God says, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, good or bad. And he says, so that they may know that I am the Lord, so that they may know, so that people would know, so that you may know. Everywhere, really, it's about knowing who God is. The more we know God, the more we realize how magnificent, how great he is. And if we submit to that, our life will become one that magnifies him. We don't make him bigger than what he is. He's already as big as he can be. It's just a matter of getting out of the way and properly pointing people to him and sharing with others who he is, what he's about. Because I'll tell you what, a lot of people have a misconception of who God is. A lot of people have a very bad misconception of who God is. And truth be told, it's because we do, a, generally speaking, the church does a very poor job of portraying the God of the Bible. And so I'm hoping that today we get encouraged and say, yeah, I want my life to magnify the Lord. I want people around me, when they learn about or they see my life, that they realize that I serve a mighty God who deserves to be praised that's the idea. So the main point is a Christian's greatest privilege and purpose is to magnify the Lord with our lives. That is our privilege, to be able to let people know how great our God is, to magnify him, as Mary says here in verse 46 of chapter 1 of Luke. So let's get right to it. We're going to do a lot of reading, so let's get to it. Um, follow with me. We're going to do a little bit of you know, combining things. So we're, I have three points that I want to share with you, and they all fulfill this phrase. We can magnify the Lord, or we, we can magnify the Lord by. We can magnify the Lord by. So if you're interested in magnifying the Lord, as we read this section, we're going to see some ways in which we can magnify the Lord. So you'll leave today make, having to make a decision. Am I going to magnify the Lord? And if I do want to magnify the Lord... I know at least three ways that I can do it based on the reading and the studying that we did this morning. So I'm not going to read the whole thing and then go back. I'm just going to read as we go through it. So point number one, we can magnify the name of the Lord by, number one, expressing humility. Expressing humility. And expressing is going to be the key phrase here. Expressing humility. You know, that's counterintuitive. That's against our human nature to be humble. How many humble people are here? Raise your hand. Nice and proud. <laughs> I 
I think I'm the most humble person here, Mike, as a matter of fact. All right, well, that would be a little weird, right? But how, how many of us uh, struggle with expressing humility? Okay, oh, good. Yeah, you guys are awake. Yes. All of us, right? Like, that's something that we talked about our human nature, how we're born with our human nature, unlike our Lord Jesus Christ, who was perfect because he didn't have a human dad. We talked about that last week. But the rest of us, part of that human fallen nature is pride and arrogance. That's natural for us. We think we're the greatest. But to express humility goes against that. But then we learn that our Lord Jesus Christ was meek and humble, and he says, be like me. And that is part of the Christian walk and life and struggle. So expressing humility. Uh, key verse is going to be verse 43, but we're going to read verses 39 through 45 so we can get right through the whole thing here. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45 for this section, point one. But the key verse is going to be Luke 1, 43. So we'll get right to it. So let me read to you Luke 1, 39 through 45. It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, that would be John the Baptist inside Elizabeth, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. And I'll finish up, yeah, right there. And so, when we talk about we can magnify the Lord by expressing humility, think about this. This is Elizabeth. How old was she? We don't know, but she was well past the childbearing age, right? I did some research, and nobody knows, but let's just assume she was in her 60s, all right? Very young, very young, uh, as far as I'm concerned, but here's, here's a 60-year-old who found herself pregnant, right? And then it says that she hid herself, and she goes to, uh, off to the hills for, for whatever reason. And then Mary learns that she's about to have a baby, and she's a virgin, and Gabriel just told her that she's going to be the mother of Jesus, of the Savior of the world. And what she does you know, obviously, she's now facing a lot of situations, including her fiancé, Joseph, who just learned that, he, that she's pr her, his fiancé, Mary, is pregnant and, you know, thought about leaving her, but then real, is told not to, is, you know, has things explained to him. But I'm sure she's, Mary, as a teenage girl, virgin who's now pregnant, is going through a lot. And she goes off, she must have learned about her relative Elizabeth, who is also going through a lot, but in a very different way. And so she goes to visit her. So they both kind of isolate themselves, but they isolate themselves from everybody except for themselves. And they're together for about three months. And there's a lot to say there. To me, that means here's Mary going through a very difficult time in many ways. Here's Elizabeth going through, in many ways, a very difficult time or trying or, or different time. 
And for three months, they spend that time together in isolation. You know what I call that? I call that fellowship. I call that a small group. Huh? Better believe it. You better believe that Martha and Mary are both going through very different, trying, difficult times. And we see that they get together and they spend three months together, no doubt supporting each other, helping each other. Can you imagine a virgin teenager who's pregnant, who was betrothed to Joseph, the, the social maybe things that, that she was facing? And so they find, no doubt, comfort and encouragement with one another. You know, that's really, this is a little plug-in for growth groups, but that's really what growth groups are about, beloved. Growth groups are about, let's stop pretending that everything's okay. Let's let our masks down, and let's get to know each other. Let's help each other, encourage each other, support one another, help one another, and let's grow. That's what growth groups are about. And here you have Mary and Elizabeth. But as soon as Mary comes in, Elizabeth hears the, Mary's greeting, and Mary and Elizabeth, who's now six months pregnant or so, the baby leaps, and she realizes that he's leaping for joy because she's hearing the voice of the Lord's mom. And, and think about it. So the relatives, but Elizabeth, who is the wife of a priest, who is now in isolation, has this relative, her teenage relative come in, and listen to her expression. This is where I get this idea of expressing humility. Verse 43, this is Elizabeth. She says, But why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. I just see humility in all that. Here's Elizabeth, a 60-year-old, saying to a teenage girl, who am I that you would come and visit me? You, the mother of my Lord, would come and visit me. Meaning, I'm nobody. And yet you come to visit me. And then she expresses these wonderful truths. Um, and everything she says is all about glorifying God. It's, it's, I mean, you would have to read into it if you think that she's glorifying Mary. She's not. Read it for yourself and make your own decision. But she's glor Elizabeth is glorifying God. And, and the big deal about Mary is that she is carrying in her womb the Son of God. And that's awesome. She recognizes that, and she expresses this awesome humility. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Humility goes a long way to pointing people to Christ. Arrogant Christians is such a contradiction. And yet, beloved, let's be honest, people that in the world, people that know about Christianity or, or have this impression for Christianity, people that are not Christians, most of them have this idea that Christians are arrogant people, judgmental, they're going to look down upon you and tell you and make you feel how you're not as good as them. We have to be careful with that. We got to be really careful with that. So expressing humility is one way that we can magnify the name of the Lord. John 3.30, we read about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a really big deal, right? He was a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at what he says. When people were saying, like, are you the Christ? They were asking John the Baptist because he came baptizing and causing a scene for sure. And people were like, whoa, are you the Christ? 
And John had to often say, no, I'm not the Christ. I've told you I'm not the Christ. I come to prepare, uh, uh, you know, the way for him. But listen to what John says, John the Baptist, on, in John 3.30. Real simple. He says, he, referring to Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. And beloved, that is every Christian's duty. If we're going to magnify God in our lives, we must decrease in order that he would increase. You want to know if you're growing spiritually? Are people seeing more of Christ in you or more of yourself in you? Are people still saying like, oh, you know so-and-so, you know how he is, leave him alone, don't worry about him. Are people still saying that about you when you act all weird? Ah, don't worry about it. You know how he is. You know how she is. Meaning, he's always been like that. She's always been like that. And you can't expect anything different. Or are people saying like, I can't believe that person. They used to be so-and-so and this and that. And now they're different. I don't even recognize them. That means there's less of you and more of him. You are decreasing and he is increasing. That is spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. People are to see Christ in us more and more. They're never going to see imperfection, and we don't have to try, you know. Hey, did you see what I just did? Isn't that very Christ-like? Huh? Did you see that? You don't go around doing that kind of stuff. Let it be a natural thing. You worry about following the Lord, focusing your eyes on him, and being obedient to his word, loving him, and people are going to see the change in you. But we can magnify the name of the Lord by expressing humility you know who failed badly at this? Lucifer, Satan. Way back when, you know, he was in charge. He, he was in charge of God's throne, per se. He was, he was the, the angel of light. And in his heart, one day he felt, you know, I don't know about this worshiping God thing. I want to build my own throne, and I want to put it above his. And bam, he had the opposite attitude. More of me and less of God. He already has so much. More of me now. It's my turn. And he got kicked out of heaven. And he's destined for eternal separation from God in hell. So who are we going to be? More of me, less of God? Or are we going to say less of me, more of God? Humility, beloved. So we can also magnify the Lord, not just by expressing humility, but also by expressing what he has done what he has done. And, and for this, we're going to look at Mary. As I read Mary's expression, look at everything. Mary was quite the theologian, by the way. She knew her history, her God history. Listen to what she says. So I'm going to read from verse 46 through 56, verse 49 being the key verse. So we'll come back to that one verse, but I'm going to read verses 46 through 56. It says, And Mary said, Right after Elizabeth says what she says, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. It's not about me. It's about him. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has granted the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. I said I'm going to read to verse 56. And Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, about three months, and then returned to her house. So here's this, which is amazing, right? We're, Luke is quoting what both Elizabeth said, and now he's quoting what Mary said. And they both, both expressions magnify God. But Mary here is just, you know, bringing out her knowledge of who God is. And everything she's saying, God did this, God did that. He's always done this, he's always done that. In remembrance of his mercy for his name's sake, God has done this and that. And so we can magnify God, the Lord, by expressing the things that God has done. Not just out there as a creator, as a redeemer, but also your personal testimonies where this comes in. Expressing to people what God has done in your life. I really, really enjoy spending time with you guys. You know, whenever we get a chance to spend time outside of here and we get to chat and you share with me what God is doing in your life, it's so encouraging to me. Keep it up. Speak of what God has done. Speak of who God is. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of magnifying him. Whether, they, whether people are receptive to it or not, doesn't matter. Our job is to express, express humility and express what he has done. So verse 49, Luke 149, Mary says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Everything about God, magnifying him, talking about the things that he has done for Israel in this case, for, for the lowly, for the poor, and then she says also for me. And I think that's, that's a good place to be for us to get used to talking about the Lord. And you're thinking like, but I don't know how to talk about the Lord. Well, I just talk to the Lord about the way you talk about your favorite team. See some of you Rams fans out there, right? You're wearing your gear. You're not afraid of wearing your gear, even though you might get beat up out there. You still wear your gear. You're brave. And you talk about your favorite show or your favorite artist or your favorite movie. So we know how to talk and magnify things. All we're saying is let's get things right the proper perspective, and let's magnify the Lord. Nothing wrong with following a team, by the way. I'm just saying, let's... I saw a post this morning. I think uh, Victor Marks had something on his Instagram, and it had a picture of a football field, and the, the, uh, the fans, it must have been like at the, the Packers or something, because there were people like all suited up, and they were, they were literally... There was snow on them. And the caption said something like, if Christians were as dedicated or committed to following Christ as these fans are for football, you know, the church would change the world in no time. Something like that. But it's true. You know, we all tend to, we have idolatrous heart. Chances are you and I have things that we are excited about talking about and sharing with others, whether it's our business, whether it's whatever. Let's focus on magnifying the Lord letting people know who he is. And if you feel like, well, there isn't much to say. Well, if there isn't much to say, it's not because he's not all that, because he is all that and more. It's because we're just, we're too caught up in the world, most likely, caught up in our sin or caught up in everything else except him so that we don't have much to say. Let's change that. Let's change it. 
Psalm 9, verse 1. David says, I will praise you, O Lord. With my whole heart, I will tell of all your marvelous works. And again, I remind you what we do in the morning from at 9 a.m. We start worshiping. We lift up our voices. Really what we're saying, if you pay attention to the lyrics, all we're doing is we're lifting up our voices and declaring who God is and what he has done and what he has promised. That is one way of worship. A special way for 10, 15 minutes that we get to do on Sunday morning. But that needs to continue throughout the week and not limit our worship to, to that time. So we can magnify the name of the Lord by expressing humility, as Elizabeth did. We can magnify the Lord by expressing what he has done, as Mary does here. And thirdly, we can express to others, sorry, we can magnify the Lord by expressing to others what he can do for them. So expressing humility, expressing what he has done, but then also telling people what God can do for them. You know, a lot of people out there are so disconnected from God. They feel like God is mad at them because they know they're sinful, and as we all are. But they don't realize that God is a loving Father that is willing to accept them if they come through Christ our Lord. But they don't know that. Maybe they know they, they, all they know is they messed up, and, and some of the Christians that they know are so judgmental. It's like, I don't want to go to a place where they're just going to tell me the obvious. But do they know that they can find forgiveness do they know that there isn't anything that they've ever done that is too difficult for God to forgive? Remember I said nothing is difficult for God, let alone too difficult. God's grace is sufficient. If we acknowledge who he is and we're willing to acknowledge who we are and confess our sin and repent from our sin, not just feel bad about it, but really take it to the Lord. Ask him to forgive us and turn from that. And ask him to lead us and to guide us. You will find forgiveness. You will find redemption. You will find joy and purpose. Everything that you're missing. So expressing to others what he can do for them. So let me read verses 67 through 79. And then 77 is really the key verse here. So listen to, part of this is going to be, a narration of something that happens, and then we're going to see what Zacharias expresses. So let me get to it. Starting in verse 67. 57, really. I'll start in 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child that they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father that he would have him, what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And these things were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child, John, will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Now, I don't have time to express this, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what he didn't start doing? He didn't start running around. He didn't start jumping. He didn't start speaking other stuff. 
He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies truth. And we've talked about that. This idea that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you start acting in a weird way, is not biblical. Most of you know what I'm talking about. If you have any questions, see me. That's all I'm going to say about that. Because both, the Bible says that about Elizabeth, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does she do? She prophesies. She speaks truth. Mary does the same, even though it doesn't say that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Love that. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. That's our key verse. Zacharias is saying of his son, that in the future, what his work is going to be about in preparing the, the way for the Lord is to give knowledge of salvation to his people. What can we do? We can give knowledge of salvation to people by the remission of their sins. That's the gospel right there. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. We can magnify the name of the Lord by telling people what God can do for them. What can he do for them? He can redeem them of their sins. Through what Jesus did at the cross, they can find forgiveness, not just of the penalty of their sin, but also of the shame that comes along with that, the remorse, the embarrassment, the guilt, God can take it all. Isn't that awesome? We get to do that for people. And as we do that, God is glorified as people come to know him as Lord and Savior, as a Redeemer. Verse 80, so the child grew, this is John, so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel around age 30. We'll continue in chapter 2. I would highly encourage you to read on. Read on your own. It's awesome having people text me and say, hey, I was reading Luke and I came up with this question or I came up with this issue or whatever. Um, I really enjoy those types of texts or emails. I'll read one verse to you. Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Paul says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in, pre in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation, he's in jail, he's incarcerated, and he's learning that people are preaching Christ for selfish gains. And he says, hey, whether it's for selfish gain or what, I'm just glad that Christ is being preached. And he's hoping to be released. He says, and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or 
or by death. You know why Paul was such an outstanding individual for the kingdom? All he wanted to do was magnify the Lord through his life or even through his death. And I pray that that would be our purpose in life as Christians. Stop with the selfish. I say that to myself, of course. We can't live for ourselves. To live for ourselves is to be enemies of the cross. When we begin to live to magnify the Lord, that is an awesome evidence that you are born again. Because that's what Christ did. And if we are to be like Christ, we're going to magnify the Lord through our lives. Never perfectly, but that's what the Christian walk is all about. That's why we need growth groups. That's why we need to be at church. That's why we need to be in the Word. That's why we need to be in constant prayer. Because it's a battle. It's spiritual war. And we are the soldiers. And the enemy is a big deal. But he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Let's magnify the Lord through our lives. We, to do that, we must express. See, the three points was we have to express humility, express what he's done, and express what God can do. You can't express if you're quiet about it. And I'll just say that that is exactly what the enemy wants for the church. Yeah, you could be a Christian. Just keep it to yourself, would you? Don't magnify the Lord. Just, you know, just go about your business. God loves you. That's what the enemy tells you. We have to be careful with that. Our purpose in life and our greatest privilege is to magnify the Lord with our lives. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're so grateful to you for allowing us this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this example of Elizabeth, Mary, Zacharias, and, and even some of John that we saw here, Paul. All these examples of people that were dedicated to magnifying your holy name. We pray for forgiveness for all the times that we don't do that, out of selfishness or embarrassment or being ashamed. Help us to get past that. Help us to fall in love ever more with you, to know you better, and to really think about what it is that we're here for in this earth, why you created us. And we thank you for the opportunity and honor to bring glory to your holy name. We ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing. We pray in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You are dismissed.